Welcome Builders from Lakeland, Florida. This is the Build Your Success Leadership Podcast with your host, Brian Brogen. We're going to empower and equip you to build yourself and then build others. Now, let's build up with your host, Brian Brogen. Hello, builders. It is my privilege to welcome you to the Build Your Success Podcast today. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Whenever you're listening to this, wherever you're listening to this, we're glad to have you as a listener. I'm excited. I've got a friend of mine, Wes Dove. He's a fellow coach, trainer, and speaker. We've been working together for a few years now, and uh, he's back on the podcast. You know, I don't have very many repeat guests. I like to bring new people to the podcast, but Wes has got a special announcement. He's written another book, and uh, he wants to talk. We're going to talk about that. I want to talk about that today. I want to ask him some questions about the book. So Wes is a co-author in our Voices for Leadership book. He's a fellow John Maxwell trainer, coach, and speaker, and he's got Dove Development, where they help businesses and leaders grow their teams, work on profitability, which is the book we're going to talk about today. Just a great guy, a friend of mine. Wes, tell the audience what you do and how you do it. Well, Brian, it really goes back to so many of our similarities in our backgrounds. I mean, I started in construction when I was probably 12 or 13 years old, maybe not quite OSHA compliance in those days, right? Um, learning three-tab shingle roofs as a kid. Um, but as I grew in those fields and I moved into manufacturing when I was about 19 or 20, as I, as I grew in those fields, I saw a lot of great people in both industries and every industry we've worked with since that, that are strong technically and they get promotions and now they've got people and it comes with a whole different batch of responsibilities and sometimes issues in dealing with those people that they didn't have to deal with when, when it was swinging a hammer, when it was running a press, when it was doing whatever the things they were doing and when I moved into a role where at, at early on, it was uh, rolling out a, a lean process called 5S, and I did some other lean stuff and then moved into this thing called behavior-based safety, I always had responsibility to get results that we could see in our bottom line. The, the, the manager that I grew up under had that expectation of me, but I never in any one of those roles had authority to say, you do this because I said so. And I had to learn early on, how do I earn influence? How do I communicate well? How do I get buy-in? And I learned that that's really leadership. And, and how do I form those relationships to where we all get better results because we can work collaborative, collaboratively together? And that's the direction that we've taken with everything we do. How do we help organizations do what I worked so stinking hard to figure out through John's work over the years and so many other great um, leaders and, and and mentors that we've had from a distance. And that's kind of where we're at today. Well, thank you, Dove. I hear you talk about that better results through influence. It's so important for people to recognize a title is not influence. You can have influence when you don't have a title. And so when we think about that and think about these skills, what you're going to share with us in the book uh, it's just extremely important. And, and that's, you know, this show is about leadership. It's build your success. We want to talk about how you can be successful in business, how you can be successful in your career and help people just navigate this, this complicated world that we live in. But let, let me ask you the question we ask all of our guests, what does leadership and being a leader mean to West of? So Brian, to me, it's not about that title or position. And we share that every time we're with an individual, with a group, whatever, it's really about what positive impact can I make? by helping other people be better where, wherever they're at. How do I serve other people, whether that's a client, a customer, somebody that might report to me on a team somewhere, that's leadership. That's that's doing something for people that they cannot do for themselves and helping them be better in their own roles. Love that. Love the fact that you're, you're talking about being better where they're at, kind of going to them and showing them what they can do, what they're capable of. 
uh, it's just amazing how this works out. So, so tell us your new book title. So the book is called What's Killing Your Profitability. And in parentheses, it's, it says it all boils down to leadership. And, you know, I, I was just thinking of this as you were talking through and making the introduction. I think the, the, the thing that really prompted the idea for the book was uh, several years ago, probably five or six now, I'm having a conversation with a friend that was a CEO of a local organization. He calls me late on a Friday evening. And I typically wouldn't take it because I'm 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 getting a little bit older and a little bit tired on Friday evenings. And, and but I saw his number and I knew it was strange, so I answered. And he says, "Wes, I had a rough meeting with my board today, and and they want me to build better relationships with with my team. And I just don't have time for that touchy feely crap. They pay me to get results. And I knew many of his direct reports. We were pretty close with a lot of folks in the organization. Brian, I told him on that call." dude, you don't have time not to focus on those relationships. And unfortunately, and this story I wove into the book, unfortunately, within the next six months, he, the board um, moved him on. Um, he, he was no longer with that organization. It was a shame and his family's moved around the country and so on. And, and I hate seeing it because he's a really, really good guy and he had gotten massive results, but they were about to throw him over the ship, right? Um, so, results aren't the only thing. They're a thing. They're important for everybody. So that's where I'm making a case for, gosh, it is killing profitability when we don't have good leadership in place. Absolutely. And, and, and recognizing that results aren't the only thing. Very vital, very critical. But if that's the only thing you're focused on, your team's going to get weary with that. And uh, I love this, this fact. In fact, congratulations. You're a best-selling Amazon author with this book. Good, good job. Kudos to you. Thank you. Um, well, and some of that's because I had I had good friends and mentors that helped walk me through the process. And we we hit number one in two categories, number two in the third. And um, it was there for a day or so and it popped back in a couple of days later and it's stayed in the top 10 cents. And um, I don't understand how it all works, but praise God. Absolutely. And that's going to get this book in people's hand that need these experiences. You said it. You said these soft skills are so important. You don't like to necessarily call them soft skills. I come from a construction background, I like to call them foundational skills, but let's talk about what those skills are and how you kind of expanded upon them in this book. Well, so I'll go back just a little bit and say, I, I grew up under an HR manager when I had a lot of time in HR and safety, where that, that manager always had a high expectation of any workshop, any course, any anything that I took. I needed to show a tangible return on his investment in me and how it not just alleviated cost or helped avoid costs like so many safety and HR roles do. He said, I need to see it in productivity and profitability in our organization, or it didn't make a difference with us. And my goodness, that was hard, but I'm forever grateful for that. And um, I didn't like him all the time, but I've always respected him. And now today we're, we're, we're a bunch of years removed from that. We're pretty good friends. But what I did was in the book, I broke down, there's about 10 different key areas like culture and communication and turnover and recruiting and engagement and all these things that that I made a case for based on studies, not based on the world according to us. Here's where those dollars go that most organizations do not track. And they say, okay, here's our direct cost, but they don't understand here's the real cost, the total indirect cost and how it impacts their profitability. And then I tied it back to here's specific skills that you can apply to capture that lost profitability, to make a difference in each one of these categories. That is awesome. So I heard you use a, a few of those words. Let's, let's dive into culture. How important is culture 
to profitability. And how can you even tie those two together, Wes? Well, so in culture, I, I make a case for everything really does start at the top. Everything rises and falls on leadership. You and I've heard John Maxwell say that for, in my case, 25 years. Um, and I remember doing that first lean process implementation. It was something that was driven down from the corporate office, but the local management team, I'm not going to call them leadership because they didn't lead, they managed. Um, the local management team were not supportive, but they still expected me to get results. But they, they said, hey, we don't want to give you time. We don't want to give you resources, but we still need to see results in the process. And they weren't given any back backing for what we needed people to do to make some of the changes that they expected to see. And I make a case for when that's the culture, you're not going to see change. And we were able to see change in certain pockets where people says, hey, I get it. And the dots connected. I was able to build relationships in a few pockets and, and we were able to do those things. But because we didn't have the, the, the top down culture, those changes were limited to the people that says, hey, we can control us down. And th that's where culture is so important in small groups and in large groups. We hope you're enjoying today's podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Build Consulting Services. Are you ready to reduce workplace conflict, reduce employee turnover, and increase your productivity? If you're ready to put Brian to work for your company, give him a call at 863-800-9658 or email him at brianb at buildcs.net. Now, back to today's episode. Well, that's what you, you've seen. You've been in this business a long time. When the CEO or the leadership team, they want to see change, but they don't want to change themselves. And it's it's like they're going to hire you or, or hire me and bring us in, and we're supposed to wave our magic wand over this problem, and it all goes away, and yet they're not willing to, to accept the change. How important is for the leadership team, not only to get on board, but to set the example? It's, I'm not going to say it can't happen without that, but it's going to be really, really tough to happen without that. And, you know, we've, we, there's been a few times we've had um, organizations reach out and say, hey, we're busy. We don't have time, but we really want sweeping change in our culture. So how can you come in once every six months, do something in our, do 30 minutes in a meeting, and we want to see remarkable results. And hey, let's be honest, I'm not even going to quote you something to do that because that's not realistic. Um, nothing changes with that. And the piece that in leadership, and that's the difference between being a manager, being, being a, a good manager and a good leader is, hey, I can see the numbers as a manager, but if I'm not going to walk the talk or walk the walk and, and talk the talk and set the example for the team to really follow so they know what it looks like. And that's the biggest thing in so many cases. And when we wrap up every lesson we do, we say, what's your behavior? What's your team going to see you doing? Because if they don't see it, are you really doing it? And if our teams don't have that example, how do they know? How do they know what they're, what leadership looks like if somebody's not walking the walk for them so they can see it and, and follow it? wholeheartedly agree. And when I think about that, you know, when that leader does set the example to kind of initiate the change, I, I see people buy into that a whole lot quicker than this is what I want, you know, do as I say type situation. So that's something. Now let's also, you know, you said communication is another one of these pieces that's an integral part of, of profitability. Wes, how in the world does communication have anything to do with prof profitability? 
the chapter that I've got on that, uh, it's it's called the cost of poor communication. It, I've got so many different stats about here's here's this study and that study, and here's the numbers. I'll read one to you. One says the far-reaching impact of poor workplace communication in U.S. businesses and employees is estimated to up to 1.2 trillion annual loss amongst businesses due to that ineffective communication, and it really is. How many times do we have to repeat ourselves? And and it's not just about hey you weren't listening. Sometimes it's about what I said you didn't understand. I said what I understood, but because our communication style and you and I both use the disc model human behavior heavily, gosh, as a D, I can say and say I knew what I meant. But my wife is a C. She can look at me and say you didn't give me any of the details that I needed. And gosh, just because I said it doesn't mean I communicated. And there. How much time gets sucked up in extra explanation, extra downtime, re, redoing jobs, rework, quality issues, and so on and so forth. And those are tangibles, but you've probably done 5Y analysis, and I've done thousands of them, and I've never seen a 5Y go back to, hey, that was a leadership and communication issue. Usually it was back to, yep, he did it. It's his fault. The machine's broke. This is wrong. And, and let's point fingers, but let's never say, hey, here's where it comes back to me in a leadership role. Here's what I could have done differently. Oh, I love that example. And I hear you talk about that. I think about when people are looking for blame or they're looking for a solution. And, and what are your, your motive is, is going to have a whole lot more impact on what's going on. This whole communication piece, you know, I, I continually hear there's a breakdown in communication or you hear, well, I thought that's what you wanted again, it goes back to those communication things. And I love the way you said that because it reminds me of that extreme ownership piece uh, that we read that book where if, if I didn't communicate, if you didn't understand me, then obviously I didn't communicate correctly. That, I'm going to own that. And I'm going to say, okay, I need to expand upon what I thought I told you and give you the more details. And then I may, may also say, hey, Wes, did you understand what I said? Can you Can you explain back to me what you think I said? Yep, that's a coaching conversation we have with so many of the business owners and executives we interact with. You know, are you doing this? And I see some scratch their head. And the ones that we love working with are the ones to say, that's a fair point. I knew what I meant. I'm not sure they knew what I meant. Yeah, that's powerful. When that light goes off too, it can drastically change the way a person communicates and their team are like, wow, what happened? And gosh, it it really leads to a, a couple of the other profitability killers I list. When that's going on and the teams feel it and, and they can really feel it, they're saying, hey, I'm valued. This person cares about me. They're invested. And it's so much better in the relationship that they want to be part. They, they don't want to leave. They're not looking for a, a, an extra dollar on the hour. And, and the reality is, you know, while a dollar or two an hour might sound like a big deal, 40 bucks a week, really? Am I going to upset my life and change my whole dynamic and and learn a new culture and learn new jobs for 40 bucks a stinking week? I mean, that's a loaf of bread and a gallon of milk right now. If it snows in Virginia, 40 bucks doesn't cover what I need for the forecast, right? (laughs) Yeah, and and when people are satisfied in their job and their role, they feel like they're a valued part of the team. They feel like they're contributing to the, the greater whole they're not going anywhere. Well, why would they leave that that environment? That's that culture. Uh, there's no reason for them to do that. Well, and I'll I'll take it a, a little bit farther in that. 
I found a, a statistic from a Harvard, Harvard Business Review article, and I've, I'm going to condense it here, but I've woven it throughout the book, and it said increased commitment can lead to 57% additional discretionary effort, which produces on average 20% more individual pro productivity. And, you know, that sounds huge, right? 57% in, so you're going to give me 157%? And the answer is no, that's not possible. We can give 100%. And as I did the math, for that to happen, the most somebody could have possibly been given in beforehand was 63% of their potential. And Brian, have you ever seen anybody do great work or even good work for that, that matter by, by putting out 63% of their potential? And let's be honest, most of them aren't doing that if they can increase 57%, right? And uh, when I hear these percentile numbers, you know, sometimes people come to you sometimes and say, I'm giving 110%. And that's impossible, number one. But the only way they can actually think that is because someone else is giving 50%. And 110% of 50% is not a whole lot more. Yeah, it's about 55. <laughs> <laughs> Still not much, right? Well, and one of the things that we do, to we we make the case for it. And, and I always tie it back to, again, those lean manufacturing initiatives and, and Kaizen, continuous improvement, all these different things that, that are really driven at increasing productivity. And Brian, you've probably been involved in it too. I've seen tens and hundreds of thousands of dollars in, in re-engineering, new tooling, equipment changes and moves to with, with a goal of 5 to 6% productivity improvement. And the case I make is, guys, think about the best leader you've ever worked for and, and maybe a manager that you just hated working for. And think about how your own discretionary effort was different. Who would you run through the wall for? And, and who would you run to the clock to get home, to, to leave, to go home for the day? And, and when people connect those dots and I say, okay, what, what's your team doing for you? And don't think for a minute, if you would have that difference in discretionary effort, that they're not doing that same thing for you. And it really does show up. And that's where people get, begin to say, ah, crap, that's, that's pretty stinking true right there. That's great. So there are 10 ideas, thoughts in your book. Is, is it 10 chapters? Is that the it's, way you broke it up? It, it's 13 total chapters. So clearly I'm not superstitious. Um, the first sets the tone and it says, hey, here's what we've seen across organizations all over the, the, the country that do these things with hopes of capturing profitability. The second starts with, hey, it's all it, it starts at the top. I, I'm sorry. Chapter two talks about some high, some high risk areas. Three talks about the starts at the top and then it weaves through some others. And then there's the two that wrap it up. Um, chapter 12 is really based on, you know, that I'm an, I'm an 80s hairband guy, but there's a, a band, matter of fact, out of Tampa or, or Orlando, I forget which, um, a guy named Mark Tremonti, he's in a band called Alter Bridge, and they did a song in 2016 called Show Me a Leader, that where the lyrics really speak to what I see and hear so many people just yearning for, right? You and I have both heard Mark Cole and John Maxwell talk about being leadership sad because there's not enough good leaders. And that song goes into that. So chapter 12 really takes the idea that I heard and I realized, hey, I can't quote the lyrics, even though I wanted to give them credit or they'll take me to court. So those aren't in the song, but I do encourage people to check out the song. It's pretty cool. But it really goes through, hey, when I don't have a good leader, do I lose hope? Do I feel like I can do these things? And it's really about, are we as leaders hearing and answering the cries of our people. And then chapter 13 really ties it together and say, hey, here's some different resources that you can consider to really identify and, and address each of those specific profitability killers. 
Great. I, I'm anxiously awaiting my copy of the book. So I, we talked about two of those uh, topics, the culture and the communication. What's the final thought you want to share with this audience? And then they're going to go get the book and get the other seven. What's one do you want to share with the audience? So there's a quote, exceeding expectations is one of the things. So I've got ex expectations and accountability in two separate chapters. But setting, I've seen so many leaders or so many folks in leadership roles um, in there's a difference. So I'll stay away from going that, down that too far. I've seen too many people shy away from setting high expectations because they've of a concern that, hey, if I set the bar too high, my people will leave. Where that's usually for good people, that's the opposite of what happens. And gosh, challenge me, give me something to exceed, and I'm, I want to run through a wall. But if you if if you want mediocre, gosh, I will find something else to do because I'm not looking. I don't get out of bed in the morning for mediocre, and, and and good people don't. So that's the piece that I remember, Brian, in 2015, being in a room with John Maxwell where he gave statistics, and I don't know where he, he shared them from. He said, "Guys, if you're going to carry my name, I need you to exceed expectations in everything you do." And he said that 80% of the population fall short of what's expected of them. He said 15% of the population stop right when they hit the expectation, whatever's expected, and only five ever go so far as to exceed expectations. And in his case for that was, guys, it's not that hard. You, you don't have to be super. You need to do a little bit more. And, and the case that I make every time I share that statistic is, regardless of where the stats came from, is I'm not sure it's accurate because I'm not sure 5% of the people in the population today still go above and beyond to meet expectations. And when you and I do, we're rock stars. Go above and beyond is what I'm hearing from you there. What a great idea. So I'm going to allow you the opportunity to tell these listeners where they can get a copy of your book. And then uh, just some parting thoughts here. Yeah, so we, it's going to be on Amazon. Um, and the the pre-order for the Kindle, the ebook is there now. As a matter of fact, it's set at 99 cent for early on um, until it's released. It's going to go to 9.99 on February 20th or soon thereafter. Um, so it's there. It's and, and the the hard copy, the hardback and the paperback will be on Amazon as well. If you're in the U.S and you want a signed copy, gosh, go to our Dove development website. There's some stuff on the homepage, and we've got a few other things that we'll, can, I think there's even a pop-up if you're a first-time visitor to the site that takes you, that, that you've got the option to go to the page. Um, and we've built some courses around it, and so we've got a lot of different stuff there. So again, Amazon's the easiest one if you've got Prime. If, if you're the nerd like me that would like a signed copy, then I can't do it if it's coming from Amazon. So hit us up on our own site, and we'll be happy to take care of you. Sounds great, Wes. We appreciate that. We'll include that in the show notes. For our listeners, I want to invite you to join our community, the Voices for Leadership community. You know, it began as a book. This question that we asked at the beginning of our podcast, what does leadership and being a leader to you? We asked Wes and about 70-something other authors at this point to answer that question in a paragraph, or excuse me, in a chapter in a book. And then we began to meet monthly, and you get to ask these authors questions. How many times have you read a book and you want to ask the author a question? That's what we're delivering for you in our monthly live call. We'd love for you to join us on that and ask these authors questions. You can find out more about that at voicesforleadership.com. Thanks for listening to the podcast, Dave. Remember to build yourself and then build others. Want to learn how to build yourself and build your team? Visit www.buildcs.net and learn about Brian's programs, special offers, and more. Build yourself 
and then build others.